Hello, good evening. Today I'm studying um, blunt abdominal trauma, continuing on with the trauma and emergency care section of Cameron's. So for my own learning, I'm going to actually um, discuss the blunt abdominal trauma sections and also the penetrating abdominal trauma sections together and from a general standpoint. And then I'm going to um, divide each part by its organs as I continue to read each individual chapter. So, um, blunt abdominal trauma, this is very important um, because the abdomen is uh, one of the most critical and vulnerable anatomic regions in blunt trauma. And um, there are, you know, four essential components of the initial assessment, which include primary, rapid primary survey, resuscitation, and a detailed secondary survey, um, and reevaluation. And that makes sense. Um, we have to constantly make sure that the patient is um, doing okay, that there aren't any changes in any um, of their exams. And so the management of blunt abdominal trauma um, has continued to evolve more in the non-operative arena as opposed to surgical interventions. And um, the workup has largely shifted from the use of uh, physical exam and plain radiographs um, and diagnostic peritoneal lavage to physical exam and the use of CT and ultrasound, liberal use of these things. And um, with the proper resources, um, we can um, manage these patients non-operatively and um, with significant improved patient outcomes and survival. So the rest of the this section talks about Um, different diagnostic and imaging adjuncts, but I'm also going through um, the AbSite book here to make sure that I correlate stuff. And as far as the trauma section in general, um, it talks about... um, Blunt injury accounting for 80% of all trauma. And the liver being the most commonly injured organ. Um, But some texts do say the spleen. Um, But (coughs) the abscite test, or the abscite book, discusses the spleen, or the liver. Um, The liver is the most commonly injured organ and blunt injury. And then in penetrating injury, it's the small bowel. So these are the two points that I want to highlight from the Absite book. Um, And 
Um, we've already discussed, um, like, massive transfusion protocol and things like that. And I think the first trauma podcast, if I am not mistaken. Um, and then I guess something uh, useful um, that the app site discusses is when we need an exploratory laparotomy. So always if they have peritonitis, evisceration, positive diagnostic peritoneal lavage, um, uncontrolled visceral hemorrhage, free air under the diaphragm, intraperitoneal um, bladder injury, contrast exa- extravasation from hollow viscous, specific renal pancreatic, biliary tract, and spleen and liver injuries. So basically, it all boils down to peritonitis or a positive CT scan for anything that has to do with uh, hemorrhage. Um, and so we'll discuss the different, like what is a DPL and all of these things here with Camerons. So basically, um, Diagnostic peritoneal lavage has essentially been um, replaced by the adoption and, um, I guess, popularity of abdominal ultrasonography, so focused abdominal sonography for trauma, a.k.a. FAST. Um, since since the a birth of FAST, we haven't used DPL as much. Um but back in the day, a DPL was the mainstay of management of blunt abdominal trauma um, for four decades. And um, before we had CT scanning, it was used as a screening tool to evaluate patients who had blunt or penetrating abdominal um, trauma. But now we have CT scans and FAST scans, um, which are diagnostic modalities of choice. But, you know, DPL remains an excellent tool for further workup of a cold bowel injury or an unstable patient when we don't have FAST, um, or if there's questionable findings in the FAST. And as far as uh, DPL goes, um, the a diagnostic tap... Um, Um, is positive and um, exploration is indicated when there's aspiration of greater than 10 mils of gross blood. And the problem, though, with DPL is a a high false positive rates, um, the risk of creating visceral injury and poor sensitivity for detecting injury to retroperitoneal structures like the pancreas and duodenum and then um, if we are going to use DPL, we need to use a Foley catheter and NG tube prior to the procedure to avoid iatrogenic events. And so then FAST. What is FAST? The, again, it's a focused abdominal sonography for trauma, and basically Um, The Absite book talks about it being the ultrasound, um, um, and then it talks about where we check. We'll discuss that in Cameron's. It's examiner-dependent, 
and you'll understand in a second why that is. Um, if patients are obese, it can obstruct the view, and um, it won't. It will probably not detect free fluid under 50 to 80 mils. And of course, if the fast scan is positive, then we need to um, perform a laparotomy. And so, um, as far as the windows that we look at for fluid, we look at the subcostal or sub sorry the sub xiphoid area, which gives us um, visualization of the pericardium, which is important because we don't want, we want to catch pericardial tamponade. Um, and then we look at the sub, the left subcostal area for visual, visualization of the spinal renal recess, a potential space where blood could pull. The right subcostal area for visual, visualization of Morrison's pouch. And we also look at the suprapubic um, area for visualization of the pelvic cul-de-sac. <clears throat> and um, fluid would point to cardiac tamponade, intra-abdominal hemorrhage, hollow viscous perforation, hemoperitoneum, or ascites, which brings us to um, this point. Um, this patients with like decompensated cirrhosis and stuff like that, um, or any reason that someone would have ascites, um, this test would not be reliable. And then a threshold of at least 200 mils of fluid in the abdominal cavity is necessary for detection. Positive findings in stable patients can be further evaluated with CT. And then if you have an unstable patient, positive findings should prompt the surgeon to take the patient to the operating room for urgent expiration. And so I said earlier, if you have a positive fast, you take them to the OR. Um, but in real life, we also want to assess if they're um, stable or not. And then um, if we have a, a hypotensive patient with a negative fast, we need to find the source of bleeding um, and the ones that are highlighted here in the Absite book, um, are pelvic fracture, um, or bleeding in the chest, or bleeding in an extremity. Um, and then the Absite book also talks about, uh, the fact that we need to get a CT scan following blunt, um, uh, trauma in patients, um, with abdominal pain, of course, um, and, um, if patients requiring DPL, um, had a negative result, then they would need a CT scan as well. So CT scan, um, it reliably identifies injuries in solid organs such as a spleen, liver, and kidney because of the associated vascular nature demonstrating disruption of normal architecture, associated free fluid, and the so-called vascular blush. So detecting of bowel injury on CT scan um, 
who are intoxicated, intubated, or have head injuries um, can present a challenge um, if there's an absence of abdominal exam. So we need to have a high index of suspicion when it comes to bowel injuries. Um, um, which is predicted by the mechanism of injury and physical exam finding, um, such as abdominal walk, amosis, tattooing, and seatbelt signs. So that's how we would be prompted. Um, CT findings can be there, but they, they may be overt, such as extravasation of oral contrast or pneumoperitoneum, or like subtle findings of bowel wall thickening, um, stranding in the mesentery, or free fluid in the absence of solid organ injury. So we don't really use oral contrast um, just because of all the risks, including aspiration. Um, but they don't discuss this in the abscite book here um, either. But it's just important to know that that's usually not what we're going to do. And then CT um, can be of great importance when identifying patients with arterial hemorrhage related to pelvic fracture, which is one of the main sources of bleed that we need to find if patients are um, unstable and have a negative fast. And then we also have a CT cystogram, which can be helpful to eliminate the redundancy of um, radiographic evaluation. Um, And let's see here, continuing on with CT scan. Um, it's important to know that the CT scan, um, again, can miss hollow viscous injury and diaphragm injury. So those are the two main ones. Um, And I guess the way that I'll remember that is because um, CT scan likes um, organs that are highly vascular. The more vascular something is, the better the CT scan can see it. And, um, yeah, that's that one. And then the book goes on to talk about specific considerations for blunt trauma and talks about the bowel the liver, or the spleen, all of these things, but I'm going to skip these and talk about them when I talk, when I go to the specific organ, um, chapters for each organ. I will say these are the hardest chapters that I've ever read in my life, I think, but I think that organizing it like this will best help me, and, um, the next one is penetrating abdominal trauma, which is its own chapter. And like I said earlier, the abscites has that small bowel injuries um, are the most common um, for penetrating injury, but it has in parentheses that some textbooks say liver. Um, so I'm just going to go with small bowel and liver together. Um and the way I think about it is the abdominal cavity is mainly liver and bowel. And I'll leave it at that. 
So why um, are um, penetrating abdominal injuries so common? And it and you know the book talks about three things: um, the tendency of young men to solve domestic and other interpersonal disputes with the use of the most lethal weapon they have available. So I, that's kind of an interesting um, way to word things, but it's true. Um, unfortunately, I've seen this all too often on my very short time um, of being involved with the ACS department here at my medical school. Uh, it also discusses the um, availability of handguns in the U.S. And then um, the last one being related to this, um, gang-related violence in urban areas and uh, the sale of illicit drugs. And so um, it talks about the what needs to happen in the ED. Um, and the first thing, of course, all of these trauma activations, they follow the same thing airway, breathing, circulation, um, disability exposure. And so when do we intubate these patients? We intubate them when um, they have profound hypotension or recent cardiopulmonary arrest. So if they meet class three or class four shock, we should intubate them. Um, We um, intubate when there's wounds to the neck or chest affecting the airway or breathing. If they have depressed neurologic states, secondary to shock, acute alcoholism, or illicit drugs, and extreme agitation preventing evaluation and resuscitation also warrants intubation. Um, One of the first things um, that we need to do blood or lab-wise for these patients is type and cross and match. Um, And then we can do the routine laboratory testing. Of course, we're going to start all of your lines. peripheral IVs, central lines, uh, whatever whatever it is that's easiest. Um, and um, most level ones will initiate a massive trans- transfusion protocol for class three or class four shock. Um, and then, of course, you go on with um, the rest of the algorithm Um, After you've done your ABCs, you get your FAST. If there's fluid um, in the peritoneal cavity, which is most likely blood, um, that would confirm that the knife or the gunshot has penetrated beyond the abdominal wall. That makes sense. Um, And these patients um, will then be taken for emergency or urgent laparotomy. um, And... They, of course, are administered IV dose of um, second or third generation cephalosporin in preparation for surgery. Um, And that's kind of like the quick version of how to prepare for these things before we take them to the OR. And so... um, As far as indications for laparotomy, um, if patients have um, 
peritonitis or on physical exam, then of course you would take them. Um, but it's not always simple. So it's not always that simple to elucidate um, what is going on in the physical exam, um, especially when these patients are intoxicated, they've ingested drugs, um, or they have uh, uh, injuries that are associated to the brain and spinal cord, etc. Um, and so this is when uh, serial um, physical examinations um, would not be helpful. Um, and so CT scan can be very useful in these patients because it can help us um, have further diagnostic evaluation um, for patients who are kind of in the middle between peritonitis um, and being unstable and all of these things. And something that the book mentions that I thought was interesting was um, that one of the common sense observations of patients with multiple gun gunshot wounds is that the associated hypotension is likely related to one wound um, and not multiple wounds. So I guess that makes sense. If you have multiple bullets hitting you, but not really going through anything important, um, all you need is just that one bullet to make things go south. Um, and so, um, if there's no external bleeding from an injured neck or extremity to explain hypotension, surgeon performed ultrasonography as the best diagnostic, or as a diagnostic test of choice. Um, and a, a fast, we've already talked about how we know, um, It'll document whether hypertension or hypotension is from pericardial tamponade, intrapleural hemorrhage, or intraperitoneal hemorrhage. Um, and then if it's equivocal, then that should prompt an open diagnostic peritoneal tap or lavage. Um, which is not very, it's a very rare test to be done in this modern era that we live in. Um, and so that's kind of the, what Cameron talks about for patients that are kind of in the gray zone. Again, the indications for laparotomy um, would include hypotension, in the absence of other potential hemorrhage, peritonitis, if there's organs sticking out, so evisceration, um, if there's bleeding from the stomach, if there's bleeding from the GU tract, um, or if there's active, um, if CT scan shows perforation um, of the GI tract, intraperitoneal bladder. 
So what about thoracoabdominal trauma? Um, this is, in order to understand this, we need to know that the thoracoabdomen is defined as um, the nipple to costal margin um, from the midline to the anterior axillary line. So from the midline to the anterior axillary line. And um, uh, in this region, penetration to the diaphragm will occur in at least 15% of the stab wounds and more than 45% of the gunshot wounds. So again, surgeon performed ultrasonography is the initial diagnostic test of choice in the patient without an obvious indication for laparotomy. And if there's intraperitoneal fluid um, on the exam, but the patient is um, um, yeah, so but the patient is is stable, then that would not prompt for immediate laparotomy. Um, CT is performed to evaluate the liver and the right kidney, the duodenum, and colon. And we kind of go from there. But, you know, because of the labor-intensive nature of the triple contrast CT, um, for this protocol, some centers would perform a diagnostic laparoscopy instead um, after the wound, after a wound to the left thoracoabdomen versus a CT scan. And again, for the right one, we use a triple contrast for the um, liver, uh, right kidney, duodenum, and colon. And then For penetrating anterior stab wounds, um, the anterior abdomen um, is defined as the area from the costal margins to the inguinal ligaments between the anterior axillary lines. Um, and sometimes they can do local wound exploration, but um, under semi-sterile conditions, the contraindications would include if the patient's agitated or uncooperative or morbidly obese um, for that type of management. And then penetrating anterior stab wound away from the left hemidiaphragm with um, omental vis evisceration. Um, if there's a large piece of momentum, then that should prompt emergency laparotomy. But if it's small, sometimes... Um, it can be observed, but there's a lot of controversy behind um, a mental evisceration. Um, 
there's some mention here that some places will ligate the portion that's eviscerated and then um, excise it and return it to the peritoneal cavity and close the defect in the abdominal wall, um, which has been sh shown to be safe. Not much else said on that. If there's penetrating flank or back trauma and the patient's hemodynamically stable, um, we need to understand what the um, flank is, which um, is defined as a sixth intercostal space to the iliac crest between the anterior and posterior axillary lines. <clears throat> And then um, the back would be the tips of the scapula to the iliac crest, posterior to the um, posterior axillary lines. And wounds in these areas can penetrate the uh, peritoneal cavity or the visceral um, vascular area of the retroperitoneum. And then two diagnostic options for these patients would include serial physical examinations and triple contrast CT. And then the concern is um, on serial examinations is for perforation of the retroperitoneal duodenum, ascending colon, or descending colon, um, which uh, those organs could cause retroperitonitis um, or delayed onset of symptoms. So that's why we do serial examinations. So for these ones, either serial ex physical exam examinations um, or triple CT um, are acceptable diagnostic options with um, delayed diagnosis and laparotomy rate um, rates being low, less than 5%. So that's just kind of an overview for blunt abdominal trauma and penetrating abdominal trauma. And hopefully I can get through um, the rest of these organ-specific injuries. Thank you.